Oh, yeah. And we are back, Brooklyn, with another brand new episode of Brooklyn Paper Radio. This is host Anthony Rotunno, and I am in studio with my co-host, Johnny Cunin. How you doing? I'm doing well. Sounds like your voice is doing better. I gotta try. No voice cracks no today. No voice cracks we'll today. See. We'll see. Um, Johnny, we are back for another all-new show in America's Downtown, and I just want to say that I feel completely vindicated no collusion, no obstruction, a total exoneration for the Brooklyn paper. Uh, yeah. Um, some big news over the weekend and obviously into this week. Now, we at Brooklyn Paper Radio don't spend too much covering things down in Washington, D.C., but one thing to note as this probe unfolds or the aftermath of this probe unfolds, note Johnny, it. Note it. is there is a Brooklynite who will be leading the charge um, of among Democrats who want to see all the receipts, who want to see the full report, and that is how, uh, House Judiciary Chairman Gerald Nadler, Jerry, as Brooklynite. we like to call him. Yes, he represents a great swath of the borough, Red Hook, um, along the coast there, and down into Sunset Park, I think, maybe on the border, and of course across the uh, river into Manhattan. But, you know... Those who feel like they came out empty-handed sh- will hey, have. This is some bullshit. Oh, there you go, Johnny. Yeah, when has a was new I going to use that? Effect. Yeah, some justice system we got, huh? Some justice system. Those who feel slighted by what is what happened over the weekend by uh, Attorney General uh, Bill Barr's summary of the report w- could have a Brooklynite to thank if more information comes to light. Well, let me just say this. Uh, First of all, thank you for listening to our Brooklyn Paper Radio. And you know, we're brought here by Brookdale University Hospital and Medical Center. Every week. Check your heart. Love your heart. Yeah, it's your most vital organ. And the doctors at Brookdale will make sure it keeps beating for you every day of your life. But the only way they can do that is if you get it checked. Brookdalehospital.org. Go on that website. Set yourself up with an appointment and tell them Broken Paper Radio sent you. Definitely tell them we sent you. We care about you and your heart. We care about all of our listeners, as Johnny said. And as a reminder, it is not Heart Health Month, but it is Women's History Month. That is true. And not only, I'm not going to use that as a segue to say how scary heart disease is for women. Thank but you. To introduce our first guest, who we will be ringing shortly, she's joining us by phone. Um, you know, it's Women's History Month, and we've pointed that out all month, but we've yet to really dive in and celebrate it. So before April rolls in, like a lion and out like a lamb, we are going to get a member of the Brooklyn Historical Society on the phone, Erin Wubicker. I definitely mispronounced that, but Erin will correct me when she joins us momentarily. A.A. Ron. A.A. Ron. I think I got the Erin right. Oh, but okay. <laughs> I was wor- more worried about the Wubicker. Um Aaron's going to be joining us to talk about at least one maybe overlooked but very important female from the Better Borough who has helped shape its history over the last couple of centuries. Obviously, a ton of powerful women in Brooklyn and beyond. Many of those are featured on our sister pod- podcast, Power Women. Take a listen. Um, co-host or hosted by a very powerful woman and Brooklynite Victoria Schnepps Eunice, who grew up here and went on to found the media empire that owns us now. But this isn't about those women. This is about Erin with the Brooklyn Historical Society. So another amazing woman. Erin, is that you? 
Yes, it is. Aaron, hi. This is Tony Rotano, co-host of Brooklyn Paper Radio. I'm here with my co-host, Johnny Cunin. Hey. Hi. And um, our co-producer and intern, Natalie, who you so kindly arranged uh, to join the show with. Hi there. How's it going? Um, we're well. We're a little. We're we're very sorry that we're a little late. We're not a little sorry that we're very late. Um, <laughs> we had a surprise um, recording of our power, our sister podcast, Power Women, before this, but it it helped create a nice segue into our conversation that we taped right before we called you, um, because we will be focusing on some powerful women from Brooklyn um, now that you're on the line. And before I let you take the airwaves. Um, I have to ask how I definitely butchered your last name when I introduced <laughs> you. So if you could pronounce it the correct way so our listeners know how to say it going forward. Yeah, my last name is Webker. Webker. Oh, man, you were yeah, so way the spelling off. is a little confusing there. Yeah, I um I I didn't say that. Um but we have Aaron Aaron Webker. Aaron so Aaron, you're with the Brooklyn Historical Society. Yes, that's and, correct. And I'm then a- other organizations as well, correct? Yeah, so I also teach at Queens College as well as working at the Represent Queens College nice. in the house. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll let that slide because you work for the Brooklyn Historical Society. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing there. I know you recently curated or you are, are, are working on a new exhibit taking care of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Yep, so that exhibition will be opening in May, and so... I've been researching that for the last couple of years, and it's going to tell a lot of different stories about health and disease in Brooklyn from the very beginnings of Brooklyn all the way until today. Interesting. That is not what I was expecting you to say after we asked you more information about that. (laughs) Um, I have so many questions, but I don't know if they will also relate to our topic at hand well i think actually tony it might because um i think there's a specific brooklynite that you wanted to highlight aaron who has to do with public health yes is that so t- the, oh, thank the you, woman that i want to highlight is somebody that i came across in my research for the exhibition and she is an early black female physician in brooklyn so they do um come together quite nicely yeah <laughs> so that would be susan smith mckinney stewart and so tell um, us, because I certainly, aside from what you just shared, do I'd never heard of her. She um, clearly made an impact on the borough. But tell us a little bit more about her, what you uncovered about her as you were, you know, working on putting this exhibit together. Yeah, so you are not alone in not having heard of her. So even though she was very well known during her lifetime, most people haven't heard of her and there aren't any like major biographies about her. But um, she was a physician in Brooklyn, and she was born in Brooklyn, was from a very well-known Brooklyn family, and she was the first black woman in New York State to become a doctor, and she was third in the nation. So she's really an important pioneer when we're talking about both women's history and black history for Brooklyn and also the nation as a whole. Now, Aaron, why do you think, uh, while you were doing your research, did you figure out, like, why do you think that she was kind of um, overlooked in our history, especially, like, I guess, overall and in Brooklyn? Well, I think a lot of early women figures and also women of color in particular just have it, their stories haven't been told. And so sometimes this is a problem of sources where 
these communities didn't leave maybe as many sources behind or people at the time didn't necessarily think to keep their records or publish a lot of stuff about them. And so uh, sometimes it can be harder to sort of uncover the sources we need to really flesh out the story of their lives and figure out what they were doing and, um, you know, what their lives were like. So that's a challenge for women's history in general. And even for somebody like Dr. Stewart, who is very well known in her time, I haven't been able to uncover, you know, as much as I would like about her. Um, so as you can imagine, for people that weren't necessarily elites or really well known, that's even more of a challenge. What um, Natalie had mentioned to me that uh, that um, Susan or I guess Dr. Stewart, what, how would you refer to her? <laughs> yeah, so she has a lot of names, which is not uncommon for women of this era to, to use sort of their family name and different married names. Um, but yeah, you could just call her Dr. Stewart. Dr. Stewart um, yeah. grew up in the area formerly known as Weeksville, which now uh, contemporarily we know as Crown Heights or, you know, generally speaking. Um, what time in history, you know, when was she alive in mm -hmm. Brooklyn? So she was born in 1847 and she died in 1918. Okay. And yeah, so she was part of the early Weeksville community. Her father, Sylvana Smith, was one of the like founding members of Weeksville. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, this was one of the earliest sort of free black communities. And it was part of efforts of black Brooklynites to acquire property, basically, so they could vote. Because during this time period, during the antebellum era, right. New York State had a law that said that black men had to have $250 worth of property to vote. Okay. So part of black Brooklynites' activism to, you know, vote and have a political voice was establishing this community and encouraging black property ownership. So, yeah, her family was a very big part of establishing that. Do you know what kind of medicine she practiced? Yeah, so she was a homeopathic physician, and her specialty was uh, women and children. So okay. both in like the research she did, but also in terms of the institutions that she practiced medicine at, in addition to having a private practice, she also practiced at a number of hospitals in Manhattan and Brooklyn, and most of them were focused on women and children. And so this was actually really common for female physicians of this era, that their specialty would be gynecology or women and children. And so, you know, that partially has to do with kind of gender norms of the era. Sure. Um, they probably, you know, mistakenly thought that female physicians could only practice on women and children. Yeah, right. And there's sort of an element of propriety that it would be considered improper, perhaps, for women to be, you know, having to examine a man. And, you know, that would be less acceptable in this time. Um, and then also there is an issue of a lot of um, medical schools and hospitals and medical societies actually didn't allow women. So sometimes women are also entering into these fields related to women and children because it's a way for them to carve out their own sort of place and try and make inroads in this specialty because it's really difficult for them to get into these other areas of medicine. Now, uh, this is sort of... Um tangential, but maybe not in relation to the um, forthcoming exhibit. But Dr. Dr. Stewart seemed to be a contemporary of another doctor, um, controversial doctor, 
who I can't recall if he, um, you know, was born in the city. I don't think he was born in Brooklyn, but he's certainly memorialized in the city. And and the doctor I'm talking about is um, J. Marion Sims, um, mm-hmm. who right now, you know, I guess it's sort of a, a dormant debate, but there's still some controversy over over a statue of his that was removed from Central Park um, during the mayor's sort of review of statues a couple of years ago. And, and the owners of the privately owned Greenwood Cemetery encouraged the statue to come to their plot um, where they could, where Sims is buried. So even though I know, don't know if he was born here, I know he died here. Um, So they could display it alongside his burial site. Um, For listeners who don't know, uh, Dr. Sims was an early gynecologist um, whom some critics say, you know, sort of abused his, his practice um, by experimenting on, on black slaves. Um, And you know what, what I'm wondering, and maybe it's, it's part of the exhibit, maybe not, but you know, they, these Dr. Stewart and Dr. Sims lived at the same time. Did their paths ever cross? Do you know, does history have record of that? Uh, that's a great question. I do not know. I don't have, I haven't come across anything about that. Um, and is Sims as a, as a sort of second question, is he, does he play a role in your exhibit? He doesn't really, I do know that he's buried here. Um, and of course the, the, controversy over the statue and taking it down as we're rethinking, you know, memorials in our country and who we want to have memorials to. Um, yeah, he's, he's not in the exhibit itself. Um, I, I think a lot of his work he did not in Brooklyn or New York. Right, so he right, did right. down south. Um, but yeah, gynecology as a field is very interesting, partially for some of those stories, you know, where he is um, you know, performing and developing surgeries on enslaved women um, and the ethical, you know, considerations there. Um, and we do actually have a, another gynecologist, um, a Dr. Skeen in Brooklyn, who also pioneered a lot of surgeries and discovered the Skeen's gland, which is a, a part in women. And um, he was actually sort of the opposite in that he was an early practitioner of like ethical consent of patients, oh. which wasn't yet required. Where's the monument at the time. to that? Well, there is actually oh, a monument. Okay. So um, it used to be in Prospect Park, but has since been moved to nearby Prospect Park. Got it. Just um, so there is a bus to him. But again, he's a Brooklynite that people don't hear much about, yeah. even though he was very influential in his time and to the fields of gynecology. Well, Aaron, I think, um, I guess maybe to wrap up kind of our conversation about these forgotten Brooklynites, um, it's important to note that it's, I guess, would you say, who would you say it's the responsibility to kind of remember and carry on these narratives? Because um, as we've seen recently, um, there's been a push to have, we're going to have in each borough a statue of a prominent woman. And I know in Brooklyn, we're going to have uh, Shirley Chisholm. Um, That's Chisholm. Chisholm. I'm now It's okay. She's not a Brooklynite. <laughs> I know. I get a pass, but I'm butchering last names now. It's common. Um, but yeah, so we're going to be, um, now we're kind of taking a stand to remember these women and just people who have been forgotten in history. And who do you think, I guess, would be the person who, or who, who should be responsible for carrying on those narratives? Because obviously in this case, the city's, you know, making a stand. And as a curator, obviously you care much about telling these stories. But is it more of, I guess, our, as Brooklynites, is it our responsibility? Or I don't know, how should we be going about this? Yeah, that's a great question. I think... 
partially it's up to everybody. I mean, institutions should be leading the way, and I think in their practice of history or creating memorials should always be looking to be inclusive and to be telling the stories of women or people of color. But I think also sometimes the public has to push for these things and has to say we want to hear these stories or, you know, have to hold the government or different um, public institutions accountable and show that there's a real interest in these things and that it's important to remember them. So I think, um, you know, you can do that with your dollars or, you know, by buying books about women or people of color or other marginalized groups. You can do it by coming to programs. You know, we have a lot of public programs at Brooklyn Historical Society. And while we, of course, are doing programming this month for Women's History Month, we have programs all year about important women in history. So, you know, you can do it by buying books, by going to programs, by talking to people in places of power in different institutions and telling them, you know, these are important stories, we want to hear these things, you know, be inclusive when you're creating exhibitions or publishing things or creating podcasts or whatever it is. Well, I think that's very well put. And, you know, just to reiterate, we um, we commend you here. You know, the paper is a big fan of, of what you guys do at the Historical Society. And so many of these stories, I think, would go unknown um, were it not for your efforts. So um, a thanks from us to you um, for keeping us educated. And also, more specifically, a thanks from the three of us to the one of you for joining us today, Aaron. And before we let you go... Um, We'll open up the floor. Maybe you can share a little bit more about, you know, when the exhibit debuts or anything else that, you know, we haven't touched on that you you feel compelled to uh, inform our readers about. Sure. So, yeah, the exhibition Taking Care of Brooklyn is going to open in May. So you can keep an eye out for that. You can also go to our website, brooklynhistory.org, or follow us on social media to get updates about that or just find out what other sorts of public programs we have and other exhibitions we have up. Um, We also have a podcast called Flatbush in Maine, so you can find that also on the website or wherever you get podcasts. And we did do a previous episode where we talked a little bit about Dr. Stewart as well as a hospital in Brooklyn that was run entirely by women around the turn of the century. So if you want some more details specifically about that sort of thing, you can check out the episode on Brooklyn's pioneering women doctors. That sounds great. Uh, What hospital was that? And is it still, is it something else now or is it just gone? Um, It was called the Memorial Hospital for Women and Children, and it is, the building might still be there, but it no longer exists. It was there from about the 1880s until the first decade of the 20th century, and then they ran out of money, and so they sold the building to a Jewish hospital group. So the building could still be there, but yeah, it only existed for a couple of decades. Got it. Well, Aaron, thank you um, for joining us today and um, best of luck as you finish, you know, finish the last bits before the exhibit debuts in May. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So a round of applause. A round of applause for out. Aaron Webker, uh, curator at the Brooklyn Historical Society and some, for some reason, also a faculty member of Queens College or I don't know why, but whatever. She's a curator at the Brooklyn Historical Society 
who is putting on Taking Care of Brooklyn, um, which sounds like a fascinating exhibition yeah, of absolutely. you know the history of disease and 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 um, you know health in Brooklyn, which is a great time to remind you who this show is sponsored incredible, by. Incredible, incredible segue. Couldn't have asked part. for a better segue. It's Brookdale University Hospital Medical Center. They're the leader of healthcare in East Brooklyn and part of one Brooklyn health system that includes Interfaith and Kingsbrook's Jewish Medical Center. Tony, it is not Heart Health Month as it was as it was in February four and weeks it's ago. Almost not. Women's History Month anymore, but it still is. Still is. We'll have um, to sort out what to say next month. And no matter what month it is, you know, there's never a bad time to get your heart checked. Always a good time. There's always a good time. Um, you know, the 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 more you know, the more you can prevent. So go and get yourself an appointment at BrookdaleHospital.org or give them a call at seven one eight two four zero five six double zero and tell them the Brooklyn Paper Radio sent you. And you will get moved ahead of the line. That's so again. I we hear. can't confirm that. We cannot confirm that. But it or never so hurts to try. Here, um, no, you know, when Stewart. you say you have chest pains, it's that's immediately to that the front of the true. line. That is true. That is that. I think is a, is a universal truth. Um, Doctor Stewart, I did not know about, but she sounds like a fascinating, a fascinating female pioneer. Much in the same vein as as Shirley Chisholm, as Natalie mentioned. You know, uh, the first. Um, Black congresswoman from Brooklyn, um, you know, a lot of trailblazers here in the Borough of Kings and female trailblazers at that. And it's important to recognize um, all of their contributions because we would not it wouldn't be the the better borough it is today without them. For sure not. It looks like Natalie has to go. Natalie, thanks for all your help this week. We're kicking her thanks out. Thanks for having me. Um, thank you. And speaking of having to go, oh Johnny. Oh, my God, Tony, no. It's time for a little bit of um, a curveball. Uh there's no easy way to say this, listeners, but today um, will, in fact, be my last show at this microphone with Brooklyn Paper Radio. I um, will be leaving the beloved Brooklyn Paper on Wednesday, tomorrow, um, for a new opportunity, and it's bittersweet. I'm, I don't know what I'm, I'm going to do. I'm fighting back tears, Tony. It's been amazing working with Johnny's you. Johnny's got some red eyes. I um, tell ya, you. It's know. been... It's been a privilege and an opportunity to be able to discuss this great borough we live in with with you listeners every week for the last year and a half um, with Johnny, with my predecessor, Vince DiMaselli, with our sometimes um, between jobs co-host Gersh Kuntzman, um, with Natalie, with everybody. I'm in love with Gersh Kuntzman. Remember that voice. Who can forget it? No, it's been a it's been a privilege and an honor to share this studio with all of these great people, and um and I will miss, you know, talking about what's going on in the borough of Kings every week. Um, it's been one of my favorite things, and um I just want to thank everyone who's given me the opportunities, Schneps Media, and then before that, Community News Group, and also you know the co-hosts and everybody who's every guest you know who's given their time to kind of make this show as great as it is. Um. But enough about me. Well, I, let me let me speak to it for one second before All we right. move on. All you right. know, I like to think that my role on the show is to be the voice of the people. You brought it back. Y- you you know all the stuff going on and I sit here and I don't. And so, and I feel like I'm like a listener to the show, except I have a microphone in front of me. And so what I want to say, Tony, is you, you know so much. It's really remarkable. You've been, you know, fantastic to work with. And, you know, I live by the expression, when you walk into your boardroom, make sure you're the dumbest person there. 
and working with you, you know, it's it, hard I, I now. don't fall you short can't. because you you're you're really so smart. And so thank you for for all the all the knowledge you brought to the show. Uh, it's now been awesome. I'm hey, listen, it's been awesome. And and you know, uh, we can you tell us where we're going to find you next? Um, you you won't find me on the air, um, and you you may not find my name in print. But I'll be um, I'll be moving. I'll be starting next week at New York Magazine, um, which you know. It's not the Brooklyn paper, but it's it's also it's not the Chicago Tribune. It's right. we're still in the five boroughs, and right. um, you know I'll be bringing my expertise mm-hmm. um, that Johnny so kindly described on the air right now over there. Um, so you know all of this knowledge that we've gained together has not been in vain. No, for sure not. Um, Maybe we'll get you to call in sometime. I would love it. Yeah, you know I I I would love it. I'm always you know Brooklyn is my home, and it will always be my number one love. Um, I can't love all five boroughs equally. I just won't. I won't do it. All right. Well, listen, you know, the show must go on. The show must go on, which is good. Somehow, some way. It's good for you uh, listeners and for Johnny, of course, because he'll have somebody to talk to in this room. The show will probably go on, you know, maybe not next week, but in the next couple of weeks, expect my predecessor, who is, if you think I'm smart and you think (sighs) I'm good, just wait till he gets behind this mic. He's been with this organization for two and a half years, so longer than I have, and he is joining us um, from the outer borough of Queens, where he was the editor of our sister newspapers, the Times Ledger newspapers, um, which covered, you know, just like our Brooklyn paper and its sister Brooklyn papers cover hyper local neighborhoods in Brooklyn. Zach did the same thing over in Queens, um, and if anybody has proven that you can understand Brooklyn and understand Queens at the same time. It was Erin Webker from the Brooklyn Historical Society who splits her time between that and Queens College. So it's possible, which is why this is so exciting that Zach will be taking the reins here. Um, And, you know, your podcast, your newspapers couldn't be in better hands. We're going to get Zach in here and introduce him to you guys. Hello. Zach, um, will you, do you have a minute to join us in studio? Absolutely. All I'll right. be right over. All righty. All right. Thank you. Thank you. So that is your first yeah, interaction. Your first te- tease of uh, Brooklyn Paper Editor-in-Chief, incoming Brooklyn Paper Editor-in-Chief, Zach Gwelb. Here he is. Zach, your, what do you want to say to um, your Brooklyn Paper Radio listeners on your inaugural appearance? Other than, let me, before you speak, let me say congratulations, first of all. And Johnny, where's the studio audience? Oh, yeah, seriously. You know, I can't be slow to the trigger on that one. I, I thank you. I thank you. Um, listen, I am absolutely thrilled to be here and uh, to be part of uh, the Brooklyn Paper. Um, I have had the pleasure of working with Tony for what almost a year right yeah i mean i started you so you've been here for two and a half years i've been here for almost two so you've been you've got about a year on me i'm in my may would be my two-year anniversary Uh, great so we've been yeah together for at least a year and um you know i can't say how excited i am for this opportunity i've uh i've learned a lot you know from from you um, you know, over the last few days, and uh, I look forward to uh, putting that, you know, that knowledge to the test and uh, to do the best that I can do to uh, keep the Brooklyn paper readers happy and uh, and entertained. I think that they'll be both of those things, and if anything, they're only going to notice an improvement. Um, the, the, the really great thing, 
So we were telling uh, the listeners before you came in that, you know, your past year plus has been editing our Times Ledger Papers in Queens, our sister publication. Um, and ironically enough, our guest, uh, before you joined us from the Brooklyn Historical Society, she splits her time with the Brooklyn Historical Society and Queens College. Oh, how about that? So she's proven that one can have complete commands of both Brooklyn and Queens, which, you know, now we know that there's going to be no issue with... I actually live in Queens, so, you know, we, we're, maybe we'll bring you a little bit of Queens on the wow. paper radio. So there you go. To it, you know? It's weird now... Um, Two queens, we're, uh, Brooklyn's a minority in here, right? Yeah, now. at the moment, the moment, at the yeah. moment. Um, but so Zach, tell us about like in your time at the Times Ledger. What what would you describe as sort of your most proud moment at those papers? Well, I come from more of a production background, and um, so a lot of what I do was laying out the the newspaper in uh -huh. addition to very important copy. Yeah, which for, for those of you who don't know, the process, it is a, a very long and tedious process that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not exactly the easiest thing to do, but we do the best that we can. And uh, I kind of started with that. And then as I as my role with the paper became more prominent, I was very excited to spearhead kind of uh, our paper sports coverage. And that was my first job coming out of college, a high school sports reporter. All the glory that comes with that. You like the Brooklyn yeah. Nets? I do. I do. I, we I, might do a little Brooklyn yeah. Nets on this show. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. We got the playoffs coming up uh, soon. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Hopefully they uh, they can stay in the in the hunt. Uh, but you know, yeah, I'm I'm a, I, I was a sports guy first, and uh, um, I was very happy with the opportunity to kind of spearhead our paper's uh, sports coverage. And that included um, working with freelancers and, and photographers and everything, but really shining a light on on our tremendous high school athletes. Yes. And I feel like that was a very important part of, of our paper as being one of the only of the more you know, of the numerous publications in Queens to really cover high school sports like that. And that's something I was very proud of. And, and you should be. And um, it's something that, you know, I, I will hope to uh, be able to do for, for the Brooklyn paper as well to kind of shine a light on, on some of uh, the, the borough's uh, uh, biggest athletes. And, uh, you know, not even from a professional standpoint like the NBA and the Nets, but really kind of get, get down to the community because... The future Nets. Yeah, the future mm -hmm. Nets. You know, the, listen, I, I've learned that with community news, the people are what's most important. And whether it's sports or in the arts, our job is to highlight those people. And that's the most important thing to me because that's why we do it. That's why we do the job. Yes. To, to, um, to shine a light on, on these special people in the borough and, and beyond, you know, share stories of... You know, from from our neighboring boroughs as well, when 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 it's appropriate, and I really think that uh, that you know, with the reach of the Brooklyn paper, we have an opportunity to do something really special here. In addition to uh, continuing the great work that we already do, I couldn't have said it better myself. And and I will say, I am probably your biggest fan, and will be the most engaged reader um, to follow what you do. And you know, for those of 
you who are our loyal listeners and fans, Zach couldn't be set up better for success because, you know, he's coming in just before the Cyclones start. And you know the Brooklyn paper is the only paper that covers every single Cyclones game. So yes. he's going to have a ball with that. Definitely. I don't even watch soccer. I'm kidding. It's baseball. <laughs> um, and also, you know, I didn't know that you come. I, I mean, maybe briefly I knew that you came from a production background, but you know, before I took over, you know, this paper was run for 20 years by somebody from a production background. So you literally are the second coming of what, you know, will be great greatness here. And I couldn't be more excited for you or for the papers, you know, as they take their next step. Um, so studio, let's give Zach another hand before we wrap it up, because I'm seeing the light flashing. That's right. That's right. Zach, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. And, uh, I look forward to, uh, You'll be on this mantle. hot mic, yeah. yeah, very soon enough. So, you know, um, Zach will be, this will be Zach and Johnny uh, very shortly. But before we wrap it up, I again want to thank Zach for coming on the air. I want to thank Erin Webker from the Brooklyn Historical Society for coming on the air to talk about her forthcoming exhibit, Taking Care of Brooklyn. I want to thank our sponsor. Absolutely, Brookdale University Hospital. And I want to thank all of you, Johnny and everyone at Schnapps Media for giving me this opportunity. Um, I will always be a Brooklynite. And for now, goodbye. We're going to miss you. But thank you. Peace out, Brooklyn.